Welcome to Binge Breakthrough, the podcast designed to help you finally break through the barriers that keep you stuck feeling out of control around food. I'm Master Certified Coach Jane Pilger, and I want you to know that no matter how long you've been struggling or what you've tried, food freedom is possible, and I'm here to show you how. After years of therapy, eating disorders treatment, restrictive diets, and reading all the books, I was still stuck in the on-again, off-again cycle of restricting and binging until I was able to see it all from a new perspective that changed everything. Each week, I will share the strategies, tools, and mindset that allowed me to overcome my decades-long battle with binge eating. Your journey to body trust starts now. Let's dive in. Hello, trusted listener. Welcome to Binge Breakthrough. I consider you a trusted listener because I trust that no matter where you are or what brings you to this podcast, I trust that you are going to hear something in this episode that is going to be insightful for you today. Whether it is a small piece of information, something you've never considered before, or whether you hear something in an entirely new way, I trust that this is going to be uh, just time well spent for you. I'm super excited about today's podcast, and I thought that with uh, Valentine's Day coming up uh, on the day of this recording, the or the day this podcast is released, is the day after Valentine's Day. And I thought, what better opportunity to bring my husband, Todd, onto the show so that he could share his experience of what it has been like for him being on the other side, being with me through this journey. Um, I shared my own personal story in episode number one. So if you haven't listened to that, you want to hear a little bit more about what that looked like, what my story was, understanding that we were married before I even told my husband about what I was doing in secret. But it's such a powerful part of the story, and he has been such an instrumental process in my journey and in my healing that I thought it would be so helpful for you listening to be able to hear his side. So without further ado, welcome to Binge Breakthrough, Todd. Hello, everybody. (laughs) So uh, this is a very natural conversation. We have scripted nothing. We have nothing written down. We have not planned anything other than uh, I told Todd nothing is off limits. We can talk about anything. He doesn't need to worry about trying to protect me, trying to protect you, the listener, that this can just be a very real and honest conversation. So we, we'll see where it goes. I have no idea, but I just trust. You guys know I love the word trust. I trust that this is going to be amazing. It is going to be helpful. It is going to be insightful. And um, that we're just going to bring up whatever whatever is going to be helpful and, and beneficial. So with that, let's start, Todd. What do you remember? It's been a long time now. Uh, I don't even remember what year it was, but you might. What do you remember about when I told you about my binging? I think it was the summer of 2021. Not 2021. I'm sorry. <laughs> 2001. Thank you. Uh j- I think it was the summer after we got married. I think it was that summer. It was either that summer. It was definitely summer. 
It must have been 2002. We had been married for, I thought it was at least a year, if not two, before okay. I told you. So yeah. then, then, then 2002, I think, would have okay. been the one. Okay. And yeah, I, I think it, it just kind of, it was a bit of a gut punch, to be honest. And you had had a lot of stomach issues, both when we were dating and after we'd been married. And I just thought it was always just an issue that you had you know, health-wise, uh, from, you know, based on comments that your mom made from when you were a baby and everything else. But after hearing what was going on in your world and, and what you had experienced back to before I met you and, and you kind of giving me a few examples, it, it really made more sense. It was kind of shine the light on times where, Oh, my stomach hurts. We need to cancel these plans or cancel those plans. And um, so, yeah, it was just that, that first amount of shock a little bit of enlightenment mm. and then jumping straight into kind of husband mode of, Oh my gosh, either I've done something wrong. I'm not good enough and I couldn't fix her. Um, and then what do I do to fix her? Which uh, I have subsequently learned that that's not always the best approach is to angle towards fixing. But uh, you know, that was part of my learning process in terms of the next steps knowing that it doesn't change the how much I love you or the way that I love you, but that uh, it was just going to be part of our journey from that point forward. Mm. What I remember about that time is um, I remember being upstairs in our bedroom. I remember laying on the bed. I was on my back and I couldn't look at you. I had, uh, there was so much shame that I had my, I had my arm over my eyes and I was crying and I knew I needed to tell you, I, my incentive, I don't know about incentive, my decision to tell you was really very much encouraged. Um, I was see, seeing an eating disorders therapist at the time, and she really encouraged me to tell, tell anybody. I had not told a soul about my binging. Well, except for her. I had not told anybody else in my own personal life. Um, but I was just convinced that you weren't going to love me. And not for anything that you had ever suggested or indicated, uh, quite the contrary, but I had so much shame about what I was doing and the way I was behaving that I truly felt that I was unlovable because of what I was doing and because of the binging. And so what I remember, aside from the shame, the tears, the the challenge in just getting the words out was how gentle you were with me and how it became very clear that you you would love me <laughs> that it <laughs> it didn't make me unlovable and it didn't change the way that you saw me or that you felt about me that's what really kind of what i remember there so what do you remember okay so that's kind of like the initial conversation and then Tell us a little bit about like your, what do you recall of kind of, we've been on a journey from me not being able to even tell you anything at all to much further down the road when it could just be like, oh, I ate a bunch of food. Here's what I ate. Here's all the wrappers. There was a long journey in between there. What are you, what are your, what do yeah, you it was definitely that? a journey. I think it can be linked back to a visual I have uh, in our old house. We had a brown chair sitting by the back door 
it was a very comfy chair. And when Jane wasn't feeling well, she would often sit in that chair. And so then it got to the point that after a binge, she'd be curled up in that chair, often in discomfort, often scrolling on her phone, trying to distract. And when I would come home from work, whether I knew she had binged or not, if she was curled up in that chair, especially if the lights were out, <laughs> I knew that she'd had a, a tough day in terms of binge eating. And uh, so that's kind of something that really stands out because that chair went through the journey with us. It mm. went from her sitting in a chair, me eating my dinner in the kitchen because she didn't want to hear any other food or or eating uh, around her just because it made her ill because she was so full at the time to then, okay, I, I do whatever I need to do to eat, but then we're not going to really talk. I'm sitting on the couch. She's sitting on the chair. There's not much connection. And maybe she shares a little bit here and there. We ultimately got to the point where step by step, it would be okay, come home. I would know she'd communicated that she'd had a, a binge and then I'd come home. A little bit of time would pass then be like, okay, now we start talking. And I would start asking her questions or trying to get her to open up a bit more. And she would be pretty closed off. And it would take a while and a little poking, a little prodding. And then because she'd been holding it in so tight, often then it was like popping a balloon. And then <laughs> all of the emotions came out. So um, I was definitely a tissue transporter, would bring that over. Um, bring in the box and get rid of the leftovers. Um, but uh, then over time, we really did get a process where it even got to the point to come home. She's sitting in the chair. Then I just sit down and put my hand on her leg and give her a look. And that was all it took. And then she'd start talking. And, and um, yeah, as we've moved forward, it's just, it's just much more automatic. So that processing can occur. Uh, and, and she's much more comfortable with it. And, uh, but it does have its own kind of almost complete cycle each time. It's not something that, um, like, yeah, that, that suddenly steps wouldn't be there. I mean, there's, you know, even if for two minutes she's closed off or if she eats and, uh, you know, she doesn't tell me until a little bit later, like all those windows get tighter, but I think the process is still generally there. And so what would you say that process is? Um, so, I mean, it was, for, I mean, for her, it was just a matter of, of, of kind of getting back to understanding. I think um, there was a lot more opportunity at those times, especially early on. Um, I would suspect that she's binging because often we'd be texting throughout the day and then the texting would just stop. <laughs> just, I would send messages, what's going on? And... Yeah, that's when I was, I think, trying to be more active, trying to prevent a binge or trying to stop a binge, which there's only so much I can do. I'm on the outside. She's on the inside. But uh, there were lots of times where she would be struggling with an urge and she would text me saying, oh, yeah, I'm really struggling. And I'd write her back with some questions or comments and no answer would come through. And I'd be like, <sighs> She's picking that over me. Um, and I, I really took it personally for a period of time because it just felt like if she can choose to connect with me or she can choose to connect with food, you can't do both. And it was 
it took a while for me to get the recognition that it's not about me. Uh, if that's what she's really in the midst of, there's nothing that's happening where, where something could be just better and replace it, make it go away. It was really about her connecting with herself. And that's where we've really moved over the time is that where she could connect with herself and trust herself. And it's not really about me or whether I'm good enough um, or whether um, she's replacing me with something else. Mm. I think for me, like even just hearing you say that, I, I, I'm, I only I can see what he's doing right now. But but it's still emotional for Todd. He's he's even just sharing that. Like I can see, I know him well enough to know when. Um, you know, he is feeling like he, I can see the hurt, um, that's still there when he, when he remembers it. And I wasn't in a place, I really wasn't in a place because I was so mired in my own shame and my own judgment. I wasn't really in a place to truly understand and appreciate just how challenging it was for Todd. And he would, Initially, I think he didn't really even share it with me at all, um, which was then his own. He had his own struggles of holding his stuff in while he's trying not to hurt me while I'm holding all my stuff in. And then eventually he got to where he was like, look, I'm going to tell you what's going on for me. Um, but I wasn't really in a place, at least initially, to truly be able to meet him and to understand and to really even take ownership and responsibility for what I was creating for that. And, um, I mean, it's, it has been a journey for sure. When, when I think about Todd's story about the, the brown chair and how, you know, for a while, like it would take a long time, you know, to kind of get me to pop that bubble. And then over time, it just got to where I was like, okay, like I'm ready. Like at, now that I have language for it, I can look back and see, oh, I did not have emotional capacity. I had, so number one, I had so much shame and judgment that I couldn't even get to anything else that was going on. There's no way I was going to be able to connect with myself or to figure out what was going on with so much shame and judgment. So the shame and judgment, number one, was preventing everything but then when there were these emotions, I didn't have the capacity to be with these emotions. Now, Todd, the, the, the safe container that he created for me allowed me to build my emotional capacity, allowed me to get to where initially I was so closed off and so tight that I wouldn't let that out. And then I would let it out and it was like, oh, okay, I can do that. Like that's actually safe. Then I could realize I could do it a little bit sooner each time. Then I could get to the point where I was like, ah, oh, actually when I do this, it actually feels better. This is really what I need instead of focusing on the food or what I was eating or what I wasn't eating. So it really has been a long kind of process. And what I can see also now with the benefit of hindsight, is the safe container that Todd created for me to be able to explore my emotional capacity, ask the question, see what's going on, is the same type of thing that I do now with my clients. The only difference is 
Todd didn't really know. <laughs> he didn't know what he didn't know what he was doing, right? He didn't have the experience. He was amazing at it. He was so gentle, compassionate, and loving. That is what created for me the safety because I knew he was going to love me no matter what. So that safety that was created gave me space to be able to feel safe enough to have those emotions, to start looking at things differently. Now, I don't think it will take everybody as long as it took me, um, but he was such an instrumental, such an instrumental role kind of in that process. Yeah. And something that I'd also say is that, uh, I mean, with that release, the, the, the more she was able to process and the more she was able to release it, the multi-binge days mm. or multi-day binges came back. I mean, very often she would go through phases where she would binge day after day or, you know, three days in a row and then maybe one or two off and another two days in a row. And, and, and it was happening very, very frequently. And I think it's because she didn't have that capacity to manage it. And so it was just building on itself and she wasn't able to get out of the space that she was at that, uh, that was leading to her binging. Um, and I also think that I mean, something that we really learned through time, there was a, a period of time where she really didn't want to share or didn't want to get into details because I didn't quote unquote, get it like, oh, well, you don't understand. It's like, well, nobody truly understands exactly what's inside somebody else's head. But just through compassion and and sharing and uh, and kind of having that love for each other, I mean, what she needed in a lot of ways is just a mirror, you know, somebody to speak to. And by speaking and releasing and communicating, by kind of being a buffer for those emotions and, and, and providing that support, then she could hear what she was saying. And then sometimes she'd be saying things about herself that once she said it out loud to me, that she'd be like, that's absurd. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not like that. That's not how my life needs to be. That's not really as big of a problem as it is when it just sits in my head. Yeah. And so I think that was really helpful to when we got to the point where it's like, I don't have to know everything about it. I don't have to have experienced it myself in terms of being a binge eater to be someone who could provide one of the supports that she could use for uh, processing through uh, and, and managing her, her eating. Um, so uh, there's not ever going to be just one standalone solution um, and so sharing with her loved one was one that was uh, just one puzzle piece. But it's, as she said, it's it's been a pretty critical link in the chain. Yeah. And I think for me, it, it's so true. One of the main reasons that I didn't want to tell Todd is I was just sure he didn't, he won't understand. But he didn't understand because I didn't give him an opportunity to understand. And so, no, he's not going to be in my head. He can't truly understand, but I he understands a lot more now because I've told him, I've let him in to my world. Um, so that has, uh, that has certainly been, and I, I encourage people, if you are considering talking to your loved one, if you have a loved one you haven't talked to about it before, one of the things that's really important that I think is important to understand is to understand why you want to tell them. So if you want to tell them, 
just so that they can understand what's going on with you. They can maybe have some insight as to why maybe you show up differently sometimes than others. Um, just somebody to talk to. That's an amazing reason. If you want to tell somebody so that they can fix you, so that they can hold you accountable, so that they can tell you not to eat that XYZ food or not to go back or to, you know, keep you on your plan. That's not a good reason to tell somebody. What are your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, I, there were times that I wanted to do that, yeah. but I don't think it was really effective. I think it would, it's more likely, I mean, there may have been occasions where having me around or, uh, you know, that I might've been looking would be a tiebreaker. But honestly, most of the time with her eating, it was when I wasn't there. So there, I mean, I can't speak to other people's experience where it's, you know, a situation where it's ongoing eating that occurs uh, in more of a group setting or a couple. Um, but I was never really quite there. And I would try and be adamant, like texting her madly. Oh, well, you can stop now. You know, if she had actually told me that she started binging. Yeah, rarely effective um, and not really connection based. It was more like, oh, yeah, I can fix her. Oh, hey, that's a win. We did it together. But um, wasn't really oriented around truly working on, under the surface. Why is she feeling this way? Um, you know, what, what does she truly need and, and how's this meeting a need? How are other things meeting a need? Because a, a, a phrase that I coined and we used many times mm -hmm. is it's not the food, it's the mood. And, and I really had to come to that point of like, Hey, what's going on in her head? It's not just about, Oh, she shouldn't eat those donuts. And now it's like, Hey, if you really want donuts, eat donuts, mm -hmm. but like the reason you want it. And then it's not just because you're in pain and you're trying to cover that up and stuff it down. Yeah. 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 Um, there's something else I was going to say and I've, I've lost it now, but this, this goes back to actually two things ago that you said, and you were talking about just the, the benefit of having somebody else to talk to like that shame, right? Like anybody, if you know, most people know Brene Brown, the very famous shame researcher. Brene Brown is amazing. She talks about shame cannot survive in the light. So when you can even just speak about something that you have a lot of shame about is if you are met with compassion, that's the compassion is the antidote to shame. And I think that has been such a critical part in our journey together is that you were that source of compassion for me that I was not able in those moments, I wasn't able to be for myself. Yeah. I think it's very much so in terms of, you know, someone who is, is, uh, has a loved one who's binging. It's not even so much what you say. It's not, not what I would say. It's that I was somebody that she could say things to. I think that's the big thing is that if the communication just can occur, that it's not even on that person. And, and, you know, that may be advice to, to give in terms of for a loved one 
that, that you may be uh, sharing with for the first time is to be able to tell them like they don't even necessarily have to turn back around and tell you anything or do anything unless it's just honestly sharing their feelings and you know, sharing that compassion and, and being, being able to, to just support you through the journey. If that's something that they're in a position to do. Hmm. So what is the, what advice would you have to a loved one? If, so I think you just gave some great advice to somebody who may be binging and is considering telling a loved one and the way they might be able to approach that with their loved one. What advice might you have for a loved one who is hearing about this behavior or this binging maybe for the first time? I think, I think for the first time, it's mostly to just listen as intently as possible and try and just hear what they're saying and then have your questions be more about just understanding and not about fixing. Mm. Um, I don't worry about trying to ask questions about like, what have I done wrong or what I can do better? Because honestly, that answer doesn't really exist. There, you're not likely to have, oh, well, if you'd done this one thing better, I wouldn't be a binge eater. It's just not there. So uh, those types of questions keep for uh, a loved one, that type of question is trying to make the loved one feel better mm. rather than really uh, truly helping the, the person who has been eating. Um, and to just not to stuff down your own feelings. I had some of my own behaviors that were at times a bit reactive because I was struggling with it. That can happen. And just the more that we can communicate, the less those reactive feelings can occur as well. Um, so uh, that's maybe advice I would give to them. It's just be aware that those feelings can come up and be aware of your own behaviors that you might use when your emotional capacity is is being strained because it, it can yeah. add to the emotional strain uh, in this situation it's 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 if if you really love someone it's not easy to see them in this situation yeah for sure no that's really really good advice one of the things that i talk about like for after a binge is is to lean in with love and and i would say for a loved one in this situation, also leaning in with love. And it's exactly what I can see that you have done over all of these years is leaning in with love. And when love is, <laughs> he just, he just leaned in. It was very cute. Um, but when love is fueling it, fueling the discussion, fueling the, in, the intent to understand, to support, that is, it's just very powerful fuel as opposed to trying to fix or blame or, you know, think it's your fault. Um, because it was never, I mean, this started before we even knew each other. So it was never about you, but it's so normal for any one of us to make when there are challenges it's just human nature to think it's my fault. So, yeah. One of the things um, with going into, you know, being right around Valentine's Day, one of the stories that 
I think is probably one of the most painful stories for me to to remember looking back on our history was uh, a Valentine's Day. And we had plans. It was Valentine's Day. We had these plans. Uh, we were going to have this nice romantic evening and we were going to go out to dinner. And um, I binged that day. And when I would binge, I would not eat, would be like, nope, I, well, for a long time, I wouldn't even say I binged. I would say I had a bad day. I don't remember if we were at the, I had a bad day point or if I was actually calling it what it was. Um, but I had binged that day and I was like, nope, like I can't go out to eat. I, I did not want to leave the house. I did not want to eat. I did not want to celebrate. And Todd had really, we don't usually give each other gifts for Valentine's Day, but he had wanted to make this a very special Valentine's Day. And he bought me a beautiful ring and he had all of these great, amazing plans for us. And I had benched and I pretty much felt like I ruined the entire evening. Um, and that was, it was hard. It was hard for both of us. What do you remember about that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you got it covered. I was, I, I was, I, I was upset. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I could acknowledge that. I mean, yeah, yeah that. I mean, and I mean, as I have matured as a husband, I have learned to recognize that conflict often comes from not from uh, just differences in general, but it often comes from uh, expectation gaps. Mm. Like if 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 two people are expecting nothing very exciting and that happens, then there's no <laughs> conflict. And, but if, if there uh, was an expectation that feels like it was set uh, and then it comes through differently, then, then that leads to conflict. Yeah. But fortunately we were at the point at that by then that we were good at managing through that conflict. So, so we could communicate with it. And, I, and we did share a lot about our feelings that day. And uh, yeah, I shared that I was upset, but it's something that I could forgive because I knew it was part of the bigger journey. And I rarely think about that day at this point in time, because we've had so many other good Valentine's days since then. Yeah, we, um, and we did, we talked about it. There were many tears shed, I'm sure by me. Um, and, we shared our emotions, we processed through it, and we rescheduled. I think even for the next night, we ended up, we were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have a take two. We're going to have a redo the next day. And we did. And I really worked to set my own intention for creating an amazing experience. The experience that Todd thought we were going to have that day on the 14th, we ended up having the next day which was on the 15th, which as you are listening to this could perhaps be on the 15th. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been a journey for sure. So anything else in general that you've, you want to share anything that's coming up for you or that you'd like for other people to know or hear? I mean, I guess in summary is that it's, it's not going to be easy. And I would say to loved ones that are really committed that it's, it's worth it. I mean, it's, it is hard work, but it is worth it because I mean, the, the, the journey does, uh, you know, move further down the road. And when I look at where we are further down the road today, than we were five, 10 years ago, it's, it's, it's amazing how far we've come along in terms of, 
where Jean is, uh, where I am, and the way that we work together um, and and share and communicate. Uh, what's interesting to me is that I can really see that this journey through the binging, through the healing, through the recovery has grown us as a couple, our relationship, our own individual and collective emotional capacities in ways that I'm not sure we could have done without it. We're generally both reserved enough that without some sort of instigator, we <laughs> might not have gone so deep. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I hope this has been helpful for you. If you have any questions about talking to your loved one, about if there's anything else you would like to hear from Todd, we may, if, if this is helpful for people, Todd may well make a, a repeat appearance. Um, he certainly is available to do so. So I'd love to hear your, um, your thoughts, your, any questions, anything else that comes up for you around this episode. And I would say the overall takeaway for me is having support is crucial in the process of unwinding binge eating. I don't, I know I've said this before. I don't believe that a person could unwind their binge eating without support. Whether that is the support of a, of a loving partner, whether that is the support of a, um, a professional, uh, whether it's the support of a friend, of someone who is able to be that compassionate witness. Because that shame and that judgment is so present, particularly that shame, shame needs a compassionate witness. It needs that light to be shown upon it because that shame prevents us from really looking and seeing what's going on underneath. So if you are alone in this journey with binge eating, I encourage you to find some sort of support. There are a lot of amazing resources out there. If uh, you would like my support, reach out. Uh, would be happy to discuss that with you further. And uh, otherwise, I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Binge Breakthrough. If you want to understand why you feel out of control with food sometimes, I've created just the thing for you. Discover the number one reason why and get three things you can do today. Visit bingebreakthrough.com forward slash quiz and you'll have your answer and your next steps within minutes. That's bingebreakthrough.com forward slash quiz.